Well, I want to start off with a, a male joke, something humorous. And the reason I got to share this is because I'm speaking on family matters, and the topic really is communication. So listen to this this morning or this afternoon. A young man was determined to win the affection of a girl who refused to even see him. He decided that the way to her heart was through the mail. So he began writing her a love letter every day. And when she didn't respond, he increased his output to three love letters a day. Wow. In all, he wrote more than 700 letters. And finally, after all these letters, she married the mail carrier. <laughs> I had to share that one. That's hilarious. And now, why is that hilarious? Because it's communication, 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 right? Here he thought he was communicating with her, right? Well, she was communicating with the mail carrier is what happened. Ended up marrying the mail carrier. You know, there, there's so many things that happen with communication. You know, in my workplace, and probably for most of you, if you've been at a place of where you work at, they'll offer you classes on better communication, how to be a better manager, the seven attributes of an effective communicator, and on and on and on and on, right? We've all been to classes like that or have seen them offered. But do you see them offered in the church? Were they offered 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20? No. And here we're talking about marriages, we're talking about relationships, and yet we're not offered communication classes. Jesus was an effective communicator. Would you agree with that? Amen. He was an effective communicator. And we're going to go into how we can communicate better. Um, let me ask you this while you're thinking about communication. I want you to think of one word that you can say to me. But think of this while I ask you this question. And I want to hear some responses. If you were to name one reason why people divorce that you could say out loud. Um, go ahead and say that. I want to hear three or four things. Go ahead. Somebody. What? Envy. Envy. What's another one? Adultery. Adultery. Finances. Finances. One more. No respect. No respect. No trust. No trust. Who said that one? Bingo. Yeah, lack of communication. That, and those are all attributes that or things that lead to a failed marriage every single one of those but at the top of that list usually is lack of communication how did you get into financial trouble uh, lack of communication um, how did you become envious well usually lack of communication if you really go back to the heart of it most of these issues began with lack of communication and so what i want to talk to you about is how do i Become a better communicator in my marriage, in my life, as a parent, as a, as a husband, as a father, as a son, wife, whoever you may be here today. How do I become a better communicator? Well, first of all, we have to ask the question, what is communication? It's transmitting information. I work with great communicators that can give you ideas but here's the problem. They can, they can help you to process an idea, help you understand that idea, but they don't ever connect with you. How many know what I'm talking about? There's a difference. 
There's a difference when you get an idea, you get it, it's explained thoroughly, but there's no connection there. Now, communication is meant to not only convey and transmit an idea, but it's meant to connect with you, that person that's communicating that idea. Jesus did that extremely well. Can I get an amen? He did it extremely well. Are you listening? And let me ask you this afternoon. Are you listening if you're married or maybe you're engaged or whoever that may be here today? Are you listening and connecting to your spouse or are you just hearing them? Listening and hearing are two different things. And every woman in here said amen, right? Because us men are guilty of that. Me included. I'm, I'm guilty of that. So... Let me, let me help you out. Let me, let's help each other out today. First of all, to communicate well, you have to pick the right time and location. Uh, I don't, it could be the husband that's at home first. It could be the spouse that's at home first. It could be your, your son, your daughter that's at home. And then all of a sudden you come in, walk in the door and, Mom, guess what? And hey, and then you unload and tell them what happened that day, or the issue at hand, or how bad things are going right now, time out. Unless it's a life and death situation, sometimes we have to slow our roll and let that person unwind first by coming into the house. Maybe they have a, something they want to do first, like go to the restroom. Maybe they want to go and put their slippers on. Maybe they want to change out of their work clothes. Whatever it may be, we have to finally... Pick the right time and the location. Is this the right time to get into this communication? Because they may not be ready. So we have to find the right time and location. Let me, let me also throw this out there. Texting is often the worst way of communicating. Because you cannot communicate tone in a text. You cannot receive tone from that person. You get a message... But you can distort that message. Has anybody here ever been on one of those text messages? I have. I think I've shared this a few times where somebody received that text message and got all offended. offended. It was a group text where people are replying back and forth and some people can see comments, other people can't. And somebody, I don't even know what it was, but somebody got offended at something they thought I said to them, which I wasn't even talking in, in an offensive way, but they read a comment and they thought it was meant for them. It's like, wow, all because of a text. We have to be careful how we text. The, Dr. Henry Cloud put it this way. He said, texting is a brilliant way to miscommunicate how you feel and misinterpret what other people mean. Isn't that the truth right there? If you want to talk to somebody, if it's that bad of a situation, pick up the phone. Sometimes we're just too lazy and we text. Let's pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Amen? Amen. Number two, learn to listen. And I learned this one a long time ago. Uh, I'm at fault though, like everybody else. God gave us two mouths and one ear? No. He gave us two ears and one mouth. Why do you think that is? Because he wants us to listen twice as much as we speak. And unfortunately, sometimes we don't want to listen or learn to listen. Amen. Listen to the, the scripture here in James chapter 1 and verse 19. 
In the New Living Translation, it says it this way. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen. And everybody say the next part. Slow to speak. And say the next one. And slow to get angry. Not easy all the time, is it? When, when somebody, especially our spouses or our children, when they say something and we don't agree with it, we are so quick to just jump on them and say, well, no, that's not right. And we unload on them, or the other term we often hear is we fly off the handle, right? Nobody here has ever flown off the handle. I know that. <laughs> that's those other places of worship, the other churches, right? But we have to be slow to speak and slow to get angry. The biggest communication problem is we do not listen to understand where are they coming from? Why are they saying what they're saying? It, rather, we're just waiting to just say our part rather than listen to understand. Those are two, two of the biggest things, biggest problems in how can I communicate better? Proverbs 18 and verse 13 says it this way. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Basically, it's, it's using the word that Mother Betty just used a few moments ago. It's disrespect. It's, it's not showing respect to somebody when you answer before they're even finished. And I know none of you here are ever guilty of that. None of you here would ever do that. Number three, listen to learn. We have to listen for the purpose of learning. There is a difference between hearing and listening again. Hearing and listening. We have to learn to empathize as well. They may unload on you as you walk in the door and you don't know how bad of a day they may have had. What may have taken place in their day. What they may have seen. What they may have heard. We have to learn to empathize with them. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4 says this. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Are you truly understanding where that person's coming from? I mean, it's so often that uh, I go to work and, and, and there's someone with a bad attitude. And most likely it's going to happen tomorrow on Monday. Can I get an amen? Those of you that still work. It's on a Monday. And, and why? Because something took place over the weekend that ruined their day, that ruined their weekend, that may have ruined their year, right? And, and we don't know that at work. All we see is this attitude. It's like, what's wrong with that person? What's up with them? I didn't say nothing. I didn't do nothing. Well, we don't know what's going on with them. Are you, are you thinking that they may have gone through something? Amen. Or are we so quick to judge them? Say, ah, oh, that's the attitude they're going to get. I'm going to give it back to them. No, <laughs> we don't do that. Learn to be more aware of their emotions. If they're hurt or hurting, why? Learn to empathize. Well, why? What, what, I'm hearing them hurt. I'm hearing them sad, but why? What, what possibly could have happened? And, and that's what friends do. That's what good communicators do. Jesus did that. Not only did he hear them, he perceived them, the Bible says. He understood them. He understood where their emotions were coming from. And you and I need to always, we need to grow in that area. We need to empathize. Amen? Amen. The, the fourth thing is, be careful what you say 
and how you say it. You could have all the best intentions of, in the world, but, but if, uh, if Anna were to tell me, because you know, we, we've done a lot of things this year, you know, the, the Valentine's banquet is great, but it exhausts us. Let me tell you right now, it exhausts us. It's a lot of work. And, uh, and then church, and she works, and I work, and we do ministry. And so every now and then we get a little getaway. And, but imagine if she would have said, oh, Rick, I'm, I'm so tired. And, you know, I, I, I can't keep going. I need a break. Imagine if I would have said, well, suck it up, honey. We, we're in ministry. you got to suck it up and, and push through. I mean, imagine if I said that. You know, I would never say that, first of all, number one. But I have to understand where she's coming from, Amen. right? I have to be careful how I say it and when I say it. So, so many of us, I think, in our world today, we're so quick to answer and say, Ah, uh, don't worry, we're, we're, we're going to have a summer vacation in June. You can rest then, you know. And we plan on going on a vacation in June, and yeah, she's going to rest then, but we need it before then, right? And so um, we have to be careful what you say and, and, and how you say it. Be careful with your words. Proverbs 12 and verse 18, the words of the reckless Pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I didn't put the scripture in, in the book of James, but the, the book of James talks about our tongue triggers a spark, which can trigger a fire. Imagine a, a forest fire. It all starts with a spark. It all starts with one little spark, and then a, a huge fire erupts. And in, in our case, in communication, one word, one phrase, one bad text, and you can blow something up quickly. You can blow up a relationship. You can have been married for 30 years, 37 years, 40 years, 50 years, 61 years like my parents. And one thing that they could say could blow that whole thing up. And it's all about respecting. It's all about knowing how to say it and be careful in how, how you come across to that person. Amen? Amen? Now again, I'm not talking just to marrieds here today. It doesn't matter if you're still in school, if you're single adult here today. This is communication one-on-one. But we don't work on this. They don't teach us this in school. They don't teach you this in college. They don't teach you this in, in high school. Unfortunately, you have to learn and, and, uh, and learn the hard way sometimes. So how do you resolve conflict? Well, the first thing, number one, is don't put it off tomorrow. Don't, don't say it like this, mañana. You know what mañana means in Spanish? It means tomorrow, tomorrow. No, take care of conflict today. Yeah. Take care of conflict today. That's one good thing that Anna and I have always been able to do because I, I like to take care of things today. If we can do it today, I'm going to do it today. And we both have always done that. If there has ever been an issue of conflict, we do not let the sun go down on that conflict. We will take care of it right there as quickly as possible. But let me ask you this afternoon, are you holding on to hurts from your past? Are you not letting go of what he said or she said last week, last month, last year? Are those things preventing you from resolving conflict? Because that's what we'll do. We'll immediately go there and say, he wants me to fix this problem when he knows darn well what he told me last week. 
What he said the week before? What he said last month? Or flip the script. She knows darn well what she said and she wants me to forgive her? She wants me to take care of this? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. It says this, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Why do you suppose that Scripture has that there? What happens, I know this has never happened to any of you, but what happens, you think, if you let the sun go down on your wrath? You exactly. You wake up worse off than you were the day before because you've had all night to let it stew, let it let it infest, let it let it ferment in you. And anytime anything ferments in you, it's not good. Okay, let me just tell you that right now. And you've had exactly resentment, anger, and do you think that person is going to want to resolve the conflict? No. In fact, quite the opposite. You will be sleeping on that couch for a whole week now instead of a night. That's what's going to happen. So please, let's learn to resolve conflict as quickly as possible. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Secondly, for resolving conflict, make resolution the priority rather than winning or being right. Again, I know none of you here would ever do this for the sake of uh, fixing a conflict, but you know what I'm talking about. When that person, your significant other, your spouse, you know they're dead wrong, and they want you to admit that you're wrong, and you know you're right. And you won't fix the conflict because you know you're right. And it's the principle of the thing. I'm not going to let down because I know I'm right. You, of course, would never do that here. Our church doesn't do that, right? But let me tell you, we do that so often because we know we're right. And I'm not going to let him get away with it. I'm not going to let her get away with it because I know I'm right. And we'll, 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 we'll allow anger and bitterness to rise up in us. Well, how dare that person think that I'm wrong, I'm right, I'm going to stand up for this. And you know what? We let our ego get in the way rather than saying, Lord, and, and taking a step back and saying, Lord, Help me resolve this conflict. And the Lord's telling you right here, take the high road. Take the high road. And, and often we don't. We insist on being right. See, this is what happens. Unresolved stuff from the past, maybe this week, will prevent you from having a blessed relationship. Yes. Unresolved stuff. If you don't fix it, doesn't mean it's going to go away by itself. If you don't, how, how many have ever had that leaky drip in their bathroom faucet and you can hear it at night? Drip, drip, drip. And you, you can't hear it during the day, but at night it'll keep you up like a ticking time bomb, right? It's drip, and it's not going to go away until you fix it. Our, our communication, our marriages, our relationships with our children, with, with our family members, it's the same way. Let's fix it so that it doesn't get, it carry on and, and ruin a perfectly good relationship. Because a perfectly good relationship will allow you the grace, give you grace to fix it. Will allow you and give you grace to say, I know I, I may be wrong, but uh, I, I, or I may be right, but I'm going to give you the grace to resolve this conflict. That's really what a good relationship does. 
James chapter 4 and verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Amen. Uh, Sister Brenda said when you go to sleep and let the sun go down on your wrath, you wake up angry. You wake up quarreling. Right away, the first thing you want to say is, well, and pick up right where you left off. It's, it's the natural way of fighting when you allow anger, when you allow um, conflict to go unfinished, to go unforgiven, or, or to, to, to not take care of it as quickly as possible. So we have to learn to resolve it and, and forget about being right. It doesn't matter who's right. It doesn't matter. The important thing is not to win the battle. The important thing is to win the war. The war, the long time, the, 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 think of eternity. Think of long term, not just short focus. You got to think of long term in your relationships. And then the third thing is focus on the present. Here's, uh, I, I had this uh, pastor counselor years ago, a seminar that Anna and I attended. And um, he would talk about marriages and very, very well-spoken and so forth. But he would always say, don't argue with the kitchen sink. And I was like, what does that mean? Don't argue with the kitchen sink. And that's the people that when they argue, they begin to throw the kitchen sink at you. They throw all the things. You've been married for 25 years. They throw all the things you did back in the first year. And the second year, and the tenth year, and the twentieth that's that's arguing with the kitchen sink. They throw everything at you. And number one, it's unfair. Number one, you, you, if you ever argue like that, learn this right now. It's not fair. Everybody say this with me. The past is the past. God forgave you, didn't he? Did he forgive you? Well, then let's learn to forgive one another. And then we can't fight with the kitchen sink because it doesn't exist anymore. Kitchen sink is history. It's in the past. Amen? So quit living in the past mistakes and begin to live in forgiveness. In forgiveness. Oh my goodness. If, if Anna held on to all the things I did wrong or if I held on to the things that the one thing she did wrong, um, you know, um, you can tell her I said that. I mean, we would never be able to live in forgiveness. Amen? Amen. If we held on to those things. Don't bring up the past. Fourthly, own your part of the conflict. If there's a conflict and you know, and you know that you're at fault, own it. Own it. Step up and say, yeah, you know what? I, I did go and uh, I spent more than we had in the checking account. Now we got overdraft notices and this and that, whatever it might be, financially. Or it could be the little debt in the car. Like you, you tell your wife and say, honey, my 1986 red Toyota pickup, not that this is a true story, but I did have a 1986 Toyota pickup. And uh, she borrowed it to go to work one day. We were just engaged. And she borrowed it. She needed a, tr a car. So I let her borrow it. And lo and behold, when she brought it back home, the, the driver's side back corner had a round, just perfectly round dent right in it. And I know my cars, like a lot of guys, we know our cars. We wash our cars and we know every little scratch. Right, Brother Dan? I know you're like that. I know I'm like that. And I know where every little dent is. 
And so I saw this. I go, hmm, I know it wasn't there when I was driving it. Honey, do you know what happened? I have no idea what happened. And she did, to this day, she'll tell you she has no idea how that happened. And uh, I don't push it. I, I just said, well, all I know is it wasn't there when I was driving it. So we left it at that. But can you imagine if we kept pushing that? A little, just a little dent. No big thing. In fact, I never got it fixed because it was that small. It was about this big. But it was a dent in my undented truck. And I knew it was there. Uh, but we let it go. We let it go. But we have to be willing to own our conflict, part of the conflict. So if we know that we did something, we have to be aware and say, yes, I blew it. Uh, that was me. It's on me. None of us are perfect, right? We have to be accountable. Matthew 7 and verse 3, and we read this last week. At the speck, Matthew 7 and verse 3. Who, does somebody have that? Thank you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Wow, that's, that's directed right at us, isn't it? That hits us right here. Yes. Because it is it, saying is don't, don't be judging that person of what you are guilty of. And, and so before we do that, before we go and, 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 and confront somebody, let's make sure we're good on this end, that we're accountable. Amen? Amen. Fifthly, it's be willing to forgive. That's so important. Forgiveness is the key to having a healthy relationship. Forgiveness is the key to having a healthy relationship. Amen. Our sixth point is pick your battles. Pick your battles. You can't fight all the time over every little thing. It's just your, your, your relationship, whether it's a marriage, whatever relationship that may be, will be ruined. That person will want nothing to do with you if you're always nitpicking, nagging, and you're fighting over every little thing. Maybe you've had friends like that. Maybe you are that friend like that. I don't know, but we have to learn to, for, to pick our battles. Remember the old Kenny Rogers song, The Gambler? You got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. You, you got to know. You got to know. And sometimes we keep playing. We keep, we keep wanting to keep, to keep going and keep picking and keep nagging and keep and keep. And before you know it, there's something coming right back at you, right? I'm not talking physically. I'm just talking a ruined relationship. A ruined relationship. That person doesn't want to have anything more to do with you. Even with your children, we need to pick our battles. We can't just be nagging and nagging and nagging because then they're just going to look at us as a nag rather than as a parent. You as a parent are not a nag. You are a parent. You've been in put in charge of that child, amen? It's up to you to show them love, forgiveness, and how to resolve conflict, amen? amen. Are you communicating with your children and loving them? Are you teaching them that? And then Peter chapter 3, listen to these two verses. Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, Love one another, 
Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Did you catch that? When you're a blessing, you'll receive a blessing. But when you're not sympathetic, when you don't love one another, another, when you're not compassionate, when you're not humble, when you're prideful, when you repay evil with evil and insult with insult, you will not receive a blessing. You will not be blessed. Amen? Amen. Let us learn, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be like-minded and be sympathetic in every one of those things. Amen? So the, the last, last thing on your outline is, what do I do if it seems hopeless? Pastor Rick, you don't know the conflict. You don't know what we're going through. I can't communicate with this person. Well, what do we do when there's an emergency out in the real world? What do we do? We call Dan. We call 911. <laughs> That's what you do. You call 911. Right? You come so that they can bring aid to you. First responders, you call them. And here we are in a relationship and we don't call on God. We, we go on and on trying to fix it our own way, trying to do things our way. And then finally in the middle of it, when we give all hope up, we say, Lord, I need your help. Yeah. Well, where were you at the very beginning when you should have been saying, Lord, I need you to give me wisdom. And at the same time, give them wisdom so that we can wisely walk through this thing together. Amen. But we wait until the very end, until we're so stuck in this deep conflict that it's so hard to resolve because we've left God out of the picture. We need to always include God so that he can guide us and give us wisdom. Amen. Yes. Call on God. Call on God. It's amazing to me how many people, and, and I've counseled people that have not called on God, that have endured a relationship, have endured a time or two, and, and then I ask them, well, have you been praying about this together? Well, no. <laughs> That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Exactly. James 4, verse 2. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Point blank right there. You do not have because you do not ask God. Are we asking God today, church? Are you asking him for his help? So call on God for help. Second thing is convene a peace conference. What do I mean by that? Well, you have to find sometimes a common ground with that other person you're having conflict with. What is something that you too can look at that can bring you in unity together? What's something in common that you can share rather than belittle them for what you think was the, was the conflict or the start of the conflict, why don't you start with, hey, you know that time we had when we had a great, you know, we had a great time up in Mendocino, which is where Anna and I are going to be going next weekend. Remember that time and how we just loved hanging out there on those chairs in that beautiful garden. It was so peaceful, tranquil. Remember that? Rather than, well, you always bring this up. You always go there. Let's find some common ground and may that common ground help us. Amen? Amen. Find a common ground with that other person. 
And I often say this, sometimes you have to learn to agree, to disagree agreeably. It's, what? What did you just say, Pastor? Sometimes you have to learn to agree, to disagree agreeably. That means you both don't agree with each other, but you're going to agree that you can walk away from this day and look back at it. Even though I don't agree with you, I'm going to agree to walk away. You're still my friend. I, st- I still have love for you, but I'm going to agree to walk away. How many know that's a healthy thing? Amen. It's a very healthy thing to do. But in, the, in, this, in this world that we live in, we're so wanting to be right. I, I can't walk away until they know I'm right. Until they know they're wrong. And, and, and that, it leaves no room for grace. It leaves no room for resolution when you have that kind of attitude. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 and 24. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Is there anything in your heart? Do you have guilt, animosity against that person? Ask them to forgive you. Give it to God. Say, Lord, forgive me of that. And then you can go and talk to your brother or your sister. Amen. James chapter 3 and verse 17. Another scripture here. On this says this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. I don't know about you, but wisdom from heaven, I want that. I want more of that and more of that because that will be a blessing to my relationship, to my relationship with my children, to my relationship with my co workers. Amen. And then the last thing, concentrate on reconciliation. Because conflict will, oft, will, will do this. It will pull you apart. But you have to concentrate on reconciliation. First of all, who is your peace? Is your peace found in your spouse? Is it found in that co-worker? One person out of seven billion on earth and your peace is found in that person? No. No. Your peace is found in our heavenly Father. Amen. Are you looking to your husband and your children or your job or your 401k or your retirement for your peace? God forbid. All that can go sideways in one day. Family can be turned upside down in one day. Peace can only come through reconciliation and reconciliation only comes from our heavenly father. He gives you peace. Peace that passes all understanding, the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm getting ready to close. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Peace removes hostility. And only our Heavenly Father can give you that, can give you peace. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me as we close? I'm going to say a, a different blessing that I normally do today. It's a, it's a scripture or a set of scriptures here. But one thing I want you to ask yourself as we dismiss, what area can I be a better communicator in? What area, having heard some of these 
mentioned today. What area can I be a better communicator in? Maybe it's at home with my children, my loved ones, my co-workers. What area? Because I believe every one of us can improve in an area today, beginning today. You receive that today? Amen. And by your heads with me, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. And I want you to receive this, this blessing for everyone here today. Listen to these words as you receive this blessing. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.